Episode 904. The Green Bay Packers started off the post-Mike McCarthy era with a win, and they arguably looked as good as they've been all season. But are they good enough to beat the division-leading Chicago Bears? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison here at Birock Bar and Restaurant. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how are you doing today? Glad to be with you. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Um, talking some Packers football. Uh, you predicted a loss in the Packers' last game against the Atlanta Falcons. So were you surprised by how the Packers played on Sunday? And I, I am talking on a relative basis. They didn't look like a Super Bowl champion, but they look better. Right. I don't know uh, if I should be flattered that you remembered something that I said last week or <laughs> if I should be annoyed that you are just like, you know, rubbing a terrible prediction in my face i mean i think like you got to be breaking like the talking head code of conduct some sort of sports douche bro code right <laughs> uh, we can we can settle that later but as to i'm about as surprised uh as i was to find out that winston moss keeps amphetamines in his tic-tac case he, you know i'm not so not very surprised I could, because i learned an important <laughs> lesson like i remembered something important that i learned in college i should say uh like right in the middle of the game all of a sudden it hit me you know it's like if you don't mind hopping into the way back machine here for a little bit, it was 2004. Jude Law was con- considered sexy, and the Da Vinci Code was still in bookstores and hadn't spread across goodwills like a ringworm on a wrestling team. So there I was <laughs> in, in Finance 201 when all of a sudden I realized, like, if we're all graded on a curve, it doesn't matter if I stay up and study. I just need to make sure nobody else does. You know, <laughs> I didn't read a page of Hilscher and Marderson's Macroeconomics, but since I had purchased all 146 copies in the UWM bookstore... I'd say there wasn't anything to be taught you know, as concerning the fundamentals of supply and demand. Like, there it was. I didn't have anything to learn. And I littered the union with gift cards to liquor stores. I hired a flock of undercover prostitutes to pass like a loose cloud over finals week. But you get the picture. I maintained test scores in the low 30 percentages and was a B average. So, anyway, that's my lesson. And all of a sudden it hit me when Matt Ryan fired the ball 15 yards in the wrong direction <laughs> that that's all we need to do. Yeah. It would just someone else can suck too you know so the falcons had 13 penalties for 101 yards two ugly turnovers and matt ryan was on the sideline spitting a supercalifragilistic string of expletives that turned our 73 percent into an a plus <laughs> that about does it that summed it up way better than i ever could have hoped to have oh, thank you thank you <laughs> So I, I want to get your feelings on what what did you feel one drive into the game when the Packers lost both their challenges and couldn't challenge anymore the rest of the game? Because I was like, wow, we are like 30 seconds into this game and this is just the same team we've been watching for months and yeah. months. And, and looking at Philbin's face, like, I mean, okay, I'm going to step back. Last week, I just like immaturely attacked his, his appearance. Which, I mean, his, his visage isn't striking me as any more comely, but I'm going to step back in, in a sign of uh, 
apology, I'm going to refer to him as the swan for the rest of the episode. So, yeah, I'm looking at the swan's face, and I'm just like, this guy is clueless. You know, he's like that dad <laughs> in the neighborhood that mows the lawn in pleated corduroy pants and, like, safety goggles, and he uses those, like, cross-country skis with wheels on them to go down the road. Like, I'm like, this guy has no idea. I mean, in his defense, that first challenge was... I don't know. That I was can, an awful I call. cannot believe that they got that wrong after review. It was so bad. And it's, all the, the rule as it is now is so against the receiver that they looked at it and still came, came away. It was an awful call. The next challenge, is, I actually thought that he might be right on the second one too, but it's terrible strategy yeah. you know, to give up your only challenge when it, they're clearly going to stick with the call on the field given how obvious the last one was. Yeah. But the real le- lesson, I think, is that clearly the NFL, like the big brother in New York of the NFL, they don't, they don't watch games with no winning team. They just hit that button, this, the call on the field stands. That's my <laughs> tinfoil hat hot take of the day. They, yeah. they didn't even look at Conspiracy that. theory there. No one looked at that. They're instead focused on, um, uh, you, you know, teams with winning records. Like, yeah, something you know, was happening in the Saints game, and yeah. they're like, oh. It's like, oh, there's 10 games on right now. We can well, Packers, forget yeah. the Packers. If, maybe we should go back in time and like look and see what was going on at that exact <laughs> moment. It might not even be football-related. You know, it could have been like something came out about, I don't know, the government or something. They're just like, they're distracted. And yet Dean Blandino, uh, I know he works for Fox, but they, they certainly got his opinion on things. He immediately said that he thought it was incomplete. Yeah. And like almost looked at the camera like apologetically like, please don't riot. <laughs> please don't riot. Don't worry, Dean. We don't hold it against you. I mean, some of the drunks in the bar do, but they... They see four of you right now, so don't yeah. worry. So how, how did you feel about Aaron Rodgers breaking the NFL record for most consecutive pass attempts without an interception? Is that impressive in your mind? Yeah, mildly impressed. Yeah, I'm not even gonna, I don't want to say the word impressed. Okay, considering it's attempts and not completions for some reason, it almost feels like spin on his dubious pace of throwaways. I mean, our offense has been Mennonite conservative. And in each of the last two weeks, our opponents have dropped easy picks. This week, it was an easy pick six at the end of the first half that just hit him in the breadbasket and yeah. doinked out. So, I mean, and there's an element of luck in any record. I'm not holding that against Rodgers. And he's been doing a good job protecting the ball this year. You can't argue with that. But I'm going to hold my applause for touchdowns, not checkdowns. You can hashtag that one. Touchdowns, not checkdowns. I will give Aaron Rodgers kudos, uh, despite, you know, maybe this record isn't might what it once used to be, perhaps, uh, considering the, the wealth of a com- accumulation of knowledge in terms of, like, teams know that turnovers cost them football games now, and maybe they didn't really understand the magnitude of that in the 60s or something like that, and it's kind of impressive I, I mean i mean it's it's a nice it's a it's a stat you know that like at the end of the day it's just a stat it's not even a very helpful one because if you look at our record like clearly there's some disconnect there yeah. you know our offense isn't firing on all cylinders so i mean yeah it's a it's an accomplishment of sorts maybe when he's going in the hall of fame we can talk about it like in the midst of a 
deteriorating season, I don't really want to applaud it. You know, no offense against the, the accomplishment, but... Is this as good as it's going to get? Like, this is the best team accomplishment yeah. Packers have this year? Um I mean, like OJ, he he drove the speed limit in that Bronco the whole time. They didn't like they didn't when they finally got their hands on him. They weren't giving him an applause for it. Uh, are, are the Packers still real realistically alive for a playoff spot if they win this weekend? Okay, on a scale, the scale of realism on a scale of Rocky one to Rocky four, it's about a three. And I'm talking the second fight against Clubberling, not the first one, because. <laughs> Panthers need to lose one. They play the Saints twice. I don't know how that they scheduled that one out, but, yeah, there's a for sure yep. that's happening. Washington needs to lose one. They got Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Philadelphia. I say they lose to Tennessee at, at the minimum, so that one's done. Philadelphia needs to lose one. They play the Rams next, and you know they're going to be hungry after that, yep, yep. that comedic performance against the Bears. So that one's done. Then we need the Vikings to lose two. Uh, they just fired their offensive coordinator after a, another and bout of physical future Packers comedy. coach, oh. Filippo. Oh, don't say it. And so they got Dolphins, Lions, Bears. So I and I, the Vikings aren't looking so hot. I mean, I, the Dolphins and Bears. I guess that one's not as sure as the other ones. Yeah. So that one's kind of up in the air and out of our hands. And then it comes down, and then the Packers got to win. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to beat the Bears, so that puts all of it to bed. But it's. It's possible. It's I just don't think they're going to beat the Bears. I don't want to be a, a downer, mm-hmm. but that's the main test. Let's put it there. Let's put a positive spin on it. Let's beat the Bears. Yeah. I, I mean, I qualified it if they win this weekend. Oh, if they win, then I think it looks good. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the, things will look good. <laughs> One week from now, we could be feeling pretty good. I mean, feeling pretty good about getting into the playoffs. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to be feeling it. I'm just, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take some random meteor but showers. But, hey, I mean, if they're, like, on a four-game winning streak heading into the playoffs against, like, a wild card team, well, I guess they'd be the wild card, but, like. you got to keep you know? keep talking in that voice where yeah. it's like, I know I'm kind of lying right now, <laughs> but, and then this happens, and. That's what I do every morning I, to I, get myself out of bed. I know that voice. I could talk myself into it. I'm going to eat a couple muffins. I'm going to drive my car. All right. Time for the Chips Report. I'll try to tell you, Vince, as we go through our Chips Report, your blue chip players from this past game, the best of the best, the best players on the field for the green and gold. One of them, the guy who I might as well just, like, write in ink every week, Devontae Adams. Uh, I'm run- we're running out of superlatives to describe him. Yeah, it would, I could give as ironic a spit take to hearing him being a blue chipper as when you say that the uh, episode's brought to you by Burak. It's, <laughs> it's on the same level. Like, he's our offense. He, I think what was impressive is going into the game, you know he's a majority of our offense. Yeah. Not quite to the extent that Julio Jones is on the opposite side of the ball, but this game, but he still gets his yards, you know, Mm -hmm. like Julio Jones, everybody knows they're, they're gearing up for, and he still gets his yards. And that's kind of how Devontae Adams is starting to feel. I can't imagine what he'd be doing if he had somebody else to distract the defenders, but uh, (laughs) another good game. He's doing amazing. Seven catches for 81 yards. That's an 11.6 yard average per catch along a 22 found the end zone once. Devontae Adams, one blue chipper. Your other one uh, going to Bashad Breeland. The first turnover the Packers have gotten feels like forever. Mm-hmm. 
That was a bit of a gift from Matt Ryan, but he made a great play. Uh, not, not trying to take it away from him. And then if we're going to, I'm not going to give him credit for that fumble that they doinked off of the, the man in motion that he <laughs> fell on. I don't know how they fumbled. They, they snapped it forward. That was incredible. That's when you knew, like, hats off to the Falcons <laughs> and thank you. But, yeah, uh, Breland played he well. He hustled for it. He fell on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think forced, uh, I think fumble recoveries are frequently a right. product of luck. Uh, but he did hustle for it. But I don't think that's why you got him on here. Yeah. No, I mean, it, the, the interception uh, return for a touchdown, fantastic break on the ball. And he, he had the big tackle for uh, uh, the play before that, uh, you know, forced him into a third down. So uh was good on both those ends there. And that, that pick was the the turning point of the game yeah. at that point. I mean, people are starting to play with a different edge. You could just feel the energy turn. Yeah, I, I think 50% of interceptions are sometimes luck. Like they bounce, you know, like a deflection in the air, and that's a product of luck too. But this one was all Bashad Breeland. I mean, he broke on the ball, and, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been thrown, but still, I mean, he broke on it, and there was nothing cheap about that. No, I'm, Matt Ryan didn't stare that one down. Yeah. He he looked uh, he checked down to it and i think that's where he didn't see the defender yeah. when he should have but yeah it wasn't like he stared it down and he knew like i'm breaking on this cuz he's throwing it your red chip players the good maybe not great uh one of them a guy who's another another name we're getting used to seeing every week running back Aaron Jones thoughts on him i need to get a, a something to record myself so i can i just i say the same thing every week like i should just like here's my thoughts on Aaron Jones for <laughs> But yeah, he he played well again. He's the he's the running back, the Devonte Adams of running backs. Yeah, uh, he had over a hundred yards from scrimmage, seventy eight yards rushing, four point six yard average, long of twenty nine with the touchdown there, and uh, added what did he add in through the air? Three catches, twenty eight yards, long of fifteen. Yeah, I mean if he's getting a hundred yards from scrimmage every game, that's a good thing. I'm more impressed by his performance than Adams in that. Um, he's getting it despite some lackluster play by our offensive line. He, the, way, the way he's finishing runs is, is what I'm not expecting. He's got that quickness mm-hmm. to make them to make the men miss and to make his first move, and he's got good vision on his cuts. But he's finishing runs on short yardage, getting first downs, and yeah, I think he's got everything. Yeah, yeah, just a, a great, great job from. Oh, I from to record Jones. that. I'm going to say it <laughs> next week again. Whatever. I I hope so. Um, that would mean the Bears didn't bottle him up. Uh, your other red chip player, kicker Mason Crosby. Uh, uh, we're not going to fire him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, two long field goals, a 50-yarder in the cold. Uh, that was, you know, necessarily a line drive. And a 48-yarder that wasn't much uh, shorter than that um, and makes all four of his extra points in the cold weather. Uh that that's as good as it gets from a guy who had to rebound from missing the potential uh, game tying uh, one last week. Yeah, I was I was impressed by Mason Crosby. I actually uh, scored him for both of those field goals. No, no gimme by any means. Fifty yarder, forty eight yarder in the cold, and we had we saw how easily you could miss those. The Falcons missed that one fifty three yarder. Yeah, yeah, did a good job. Um, your cow chip players from this week, uh, Jimmy Graham. Um, Thoughts on him? Well, I mean, last week he got catches and yards, and we, so I, I, you can't put it all in the thumb. 
I don't think that's really what's holding him back. He, he's lost a step. We again fell for buying a used car from the Patriots. He, he ran that 60-yard route down the field in the first half, and he was guarded by a linebacker the whole time. Didn't get a step on him. I mean, that's where he's at. You yeah. know, so I'm, and he's not blocking. I just, just another uh, lackluster performance, and I think it's showing us what we got. Yeah, he's not catching contested balls uh, like you would expect a big, strong tight end to do like him. Uh, the one uh, is broken up, uh, you know, the long pass, uh, to, you know, which would have been like a 50-yard completion had he caught it. Uh, it was right around the end zone. I don't know if he would have gotten in or not. but Yeah, and that's the one where he's guarded by a linebacker 60 yards down the field. I mean, that's, that's what Jimmy Graham's strength is supposedly. I mean, his size, again, like yeah. you're saying, not catching contested passes, and the, his size is his strength. And then he's got the speed, or he had the, the speed of a wideout. Yeah. He was kind of that crossover player, and there's your speed. Yeah. Uh, your other one, and I struggled with the second cow chip player. I, I, I gave it to Jair Alexander, and it's definitely not because of effort, and he definitely had a tough assignment guarding Julio Jones for a majority of the game, but he got beat a fair amount. And probably what also adds to this is the fact that he stunk on punt returns, muffed two of them. So when you add that up, um, it, you know, I, I, I ended up giving Jair Alexander the cow chip. I, I could see that. I, I thought he played admirably against Julio Jones. I don't think I, he'd be on here with if it wasn't for that special teams play. I mean, he, he yeah. dropped two punts badly. Mm-hmm. He wasn't running back to get a punt over his his head there wasn't anyone around him those you know he 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 dropped a fair catch yeah. and he was lucky that no one was there yeah i mean cuz that would have been for sure i mean i shouldn't say for sure who knows the ball yeah. would have been bouncing all over the place but that would have been really bad yeah yeah so i gave dishonorable mentions to guys like Josh Jackson, Blake Martinez, Lucas Patrick and Justin McRae um, Thank none you of for them getting had... on the Blake Martinez hate train. Yeah, he, he did not have a good game. Maybe we should have gave it to Blake Martinez instead of Jair Alexander. He, he but... had good, yeah, I mean, Martinez, I mean, I shouldn't say Martinez. Uh, Alexander's got flashes, and you can tell, like, he's a great player. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a special player. Martinez, I'm, I was counting because he always leads the team in, in tackles, or he's, he's up there. Yeah. And, again, this, this week he led the team with 11 tackles. But I counted. Only twice did he have a tackle within three yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, he's, he just sits back. A lineman comes and blocks him. He's, just, he's happy for human contact. I don't know what it is. If he's lonely, <laughs> he just stands there, and then they, they hug it out. Oh. But and I agree. Lucas Patrick, Justin McRae, that's – we'll probably talk about it later, but – there, the the play by our offensive line before going into Chicago, I'm not feeling. That's why I'm not feeling good about yeah. the game. We will talk to uh, 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 Anthony Nash of the Packers Wire in a moment about the offensive line. Uh, before we do, Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you by Beerock, where on New Year's Eve we're hosting Madtown, our homage to Mad Men. A ticketed event, admission gets you an all-you-can-eat buffet, two drink tickets, early bird all-you-can-drink select beer from 8 to 9 p.m., a midnight champagne toast, a Mad Men-inspired 60s musical playlist, and get this, a raffle entry to win a John Hamm 
and uh, 60s attire encouraged. Get your tickets here at Beerock or online at Eventbrite. See you December 31st as we ring in the new year. And with that, we'll take a moment here, pause for a break. We'll get Anthony Nash on the phone, and we'll be back back, uh, be here right back in a minute. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Railbird Central is back, and we're now, right now, we're talking to Anthony Nash of the Packers Wire. We've had him on the show once before. Anthony, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me again. No problem. We're glad to have you back on the show. we got plenty Packers to talk about here. Uh, Anthony, we were just discussing the disappointing game by Jimmy Graham and what's been an underwhelming season for him. What do you think happens with him in the offseason? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, like you guys were saying, I think they were probably paying for a guy that they thought they were going to get instead of maybe looking at the, you know, who he is now. Uh, I think they wanted that elite contested ball catcher and he really hasn't been that at all um he's he does have the the thumb injury which i think you have to take into account but even before that he was kind of iffy uh as just as a as a tight end option in both blocking and 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 the passing game but i think the most realistic option is is that they'll probably bring him back next year just hope that maybe a new scheme from a new coach helps him and then probably part ways with him after that to save some money yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think he'll be back as well. Uh, I hope perhaps his uh, playing time decreases or it's shared with another perhaps younger up-and-coming tight end a year from now. Uh, maybe they draft one or something like that. But, uh, yeah. I, I could, you know, it's not like he's been chopped liver. He's had a fair amount of catches this year that have helped the Packers. Uh, but, Anthony, uh, while, while Graham had a good game, Randall Cobb was probably the opposite, uh, playing well despite being injured for a fair amount this season. Did his performance Sunday change your mind about Cobb's future in Green Bay? Uh, you know, even before the game, I, I was a big – or the season, really, I was a big – I'm a big fan of Cobb's. But I think just given the market, I'm not sure where his future is. Uh, he's. Uh, it's pretty clear that Aaron Rodgers loves him and trust him a lot on the field and they're very close friends off the field, but I'm not really sure where he'll fit next year, uh, especially with the the younger receivers coming in and, you know, likely developing. Um, I think it, he can come back. The only way he would come back is if he's willing to take a steep enough hometown discount. Um, it wouldn't be surprising to see him go out and maybe try and grab one more big deal, but if he's willing to stick around Green Bay for less, I wouldn't really be mad if Green Bay tried to make that happen. Yeah, uh, I guess we have to see how the rest of the season plays itself out. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm at myself uh, with Randall Cobb right now, but perhaps I'll revisit it in another month or so. Um, Speaking of the, uh, I want to talk to you about the offensive line, Anthony. Not that it was a great game for them, but were you surprised how well they held up despite being down to, like, their third and fourth string guards at time? And, and not just that, you know, the, the second string option at right tackle with Jason Spriggs. I, I, I thought they did well or at least admirably <laughs> despite, you know, how far down the depth chart they had to go. Yeah, I think really when you're playing with guys that, like you said, are like second and third string players, all you can really hope for is that they hold up pretty well. And I think they did. I was pretty surprised with how they all played, especially 
uh, Lucas Patrick, who I think held up really well throughout the game uh, compared to the rest of them anyway. Um, the, you know, the Falcons are also another team that have a ton of injuries, so it's hard to really take much away. But it was nice to see even a patchwork offensive line performing well enough despite the, the conditions. Yeah, they, they battled out there, if nothing else, even if they got beat from time to time. Um, yep. Turning to the defensive side of the ball, Anthony, for a while, Kenny Clark exited the game with a leg injury but later returned. That got me to thinking, you know, what would the Packers' de- defense be like without Clark? Oh, man, I think they'd probably be in a really bad place, honestly. Um, I think we saw a little bit of how how worse off the Packers' defense would be without them or without Kenny Clark um, on the Thursday night game against Seattle after Green Bay punted uh, trying to get the ball back and they didn't have Mike Daniels or Kenny Clark and Seattle really was able to do whatever they wanted to close out the game, um, especially without Muhammad Wilkerson and Mike Daniels. I think without Kenny Clark, the defense would be really lost, especially on the defensive line. Yeah, uh, you know, he is the heart and soul of the Packers' defense this year and, and hopefully for years to come as well. Yeah. Uh, it, I hope this isn't anything bad for Clark. Uh, Anthony, I, I'm wondering if Josh Jackson is Micah Hyde 2.0. Uh, do the Packers need to move him at safety? Because he certainly struggled at times this year for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you know, I've seen that floated around a lot. Um, and it's actually it's it's probably not a, a terrible idea, uh, especially when you consider how poor Jackson has played at times this year. Uh, he's got a lot of poor habits when it comes to following guys around. He likes to use his hands a lot. He's grabby. He can't always trail guys properly, but he has really great ball skills and, and he's really good at finding the ball. So it might be worth it to at least try and see how he plays at safety or maybe see how he adapts to it in an off-season setting. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I I don't think it can hurt the Packers, and and perhaps, you know, the the lack of depth they have at the position will, you know, necessitate it perhaps as soon as this off-season because they got to figure out something at the safety position before the start of next season in Green Bay. Uh, Oh, yeah. Last question here before we let you go, Anthony. What are you looking forward to watching in this weekend's Packers-Bears game? I think the most interesting thing that I'll be looking for or looking forward to is how the Packers come out on offense. Uh, If you look at how they came out against Atlanta, they were really started off the game with a ton of quicker throws, and it seemed like they were more in rhythm than they had been in in the weeks past. Um, and even against the Bears um, the first week when Rodgers came back in, uh, in the second half, they utilized a lot of quick stuff that seemed to catch Chicago off guard. And I think that with how dominant the Bears' defense is, you kind of need that in order to even have a chance to beat them. Yeah, uh, I hope uh, the Packers win. Uh, That's the uh, fan in me talking, but uh, it'll be an interesting one regardless. Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Anything you want to pitch or plug uh, weekly items you got coming up at the Packers Wire? Um, No, I don't think there's anything. I mean, you know, we're covering everything and getting ready for what is probably going to be a pretty hectic offseason in terms of the draft and coaching changes and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, your guys are doing a bang-up job there. Keep up the good work, all right? 
Yep, thank you. All right, take care. Anthony Nash of the Packers Wire joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday evening here at B-Rock. And with that, we're going to move on to our next segment and bring back in Ben Hofferman for our mailbag segment. Are you ready, Ben? Oh, yeah. All right, let's get to this. We got a lot of questions from fans coming in here, and this one's from NBS8 on Twitter. He asks, how likely is it that we keep Bashad Breeland this offseason, and can we afford him uh, coming off his uh, big performance this past week? Uh, I mean, okay, so he's going to cost us $8 million a year for three years because he's basically got an agreement with the Carolina Panthers. Think so? Yeah, that's what I that's what I was reading. Really? Yeah. That this they, is news to me. They got this, like, legal window where you can, like, go – mess around i don't maybe i'm falling for fake news on the on the internet i don't know <laughs> but that's what i'm reading it's going to cost us okay but we got green bay man well, i say we take him for pancakes at the bay motel we take him to the excess <laughs> nightclub for bottle service they got this new sugar plum fairy drink huh we can take him to the national railroad museum a little wine and dine take him there show him some locomotion <laughs> i think he'll take half that he's going to be influenced by that huh you you seen those cars, man? <laughs> the caboose. The caboose is so cute. Yeah, um, you know, I what I know is this year he's like making league minimum, oh, and yeah. I, I can see him making more than that. And but I, I I think the Packers probably have as good a chance as any team to retain his services because they need the help at cornerback. I mean, Jair Alexander's the future there, but. Josh Jackson may move to safety. Kevin King's been injured a ton ever since he came to Green Bay. So Packers need something there to go in with uh, along with Alexander. I think I might have been reading old news. But anyway, so we we do have money coming if we for giving Matthews the boot. Yeah. So that and the NFL just increased their salary cap this year, I saw, for every team right. in the Inflation. NFL. Inflation. Yeah. Uh, from Samuel Shear on Twitter, I want to know if you guys think Deshaun Kaiser should play some more at the end of the year if the Packers are officially eliminated. Deshaun Kaiser. We haven't got a Deshaun Kaiser question yet this year, I don't think. Oh, man, yeah. Mercedes Lewis's mom is bored with her own son. She's <laughs> moving on to her, her next favorite, Kaiser. I don't want to see Kaiser uh, unless Rodgers is hurt or if we want to just put him out in the backfield and, and have him floss while we do that double reverse that – idiotic play that'll spice it up but i mean if if the packers are eliminated though no i don't so the reason why i don't want to see kaiser in there instead of rogers is because i think with the youth that we have in our receiving core that that's the chemistry is what we need to build there True. i mean we, we're not gonna be able to replace all of them you know i don't i don't think i don't like either of scantling or brown yeah. i might be in the minority i know a lot of people are are keen on on their upside but if you look at Jordy Nelson, when he came back from his injury, he, he lost a step and a half maybe. But they were he was still dangerous because of uh, what he had with Rodgers. Yeah. He always knew where he was, knew where to expect him to turn. And that's exactly that's part of what we're missing with, with our, our youth, and that's what you get with little experience. So I, I don't want to put Kaiser out there just to, for practice. You know, I mean, that's, we need practice with Rodgers. Yeah, fair enough. I, I get that. I'll, I'll throw this out there. What what if we're talking like week 17, second half, Packers are eliminated, 
You know, so Aaron Rodgers starts the game. The people who paid hundreds of dollars for tickets, they, they got to at least see Aaron Rodgers, and they got a half in which he got to work with the receivers. Can Deshaun Kaiser, like, play the second half? Are you trying to get pity time for him? Are you related <laughs> to Kaiser? I can like... either confirm nor deny no, that. Okay, here we go. What is your your last name's Caribou, not Kaiser, right? <laughs> A two-part question from Mark, that is uh, Dud6887 on Twitter. Some Packers draft questions. Without a new head coach on board and any new schemes, how does this hamper the Packers in terms of preparation for the draft? I mean, I think we've got enough holes. that This is kind of being positive with all my negativity. I think we've got enough holes that we don't really need experience we don't need the current scheme to know what what problems we've got you know we need inside linebacker play we need some depth on the o-line we need a a spark plug in our receiving core in my mind our safety is a a gaping hole like you know if we knew our scheme like it would help a little but we're going to need that regardless yeah and i mean i think the the coach comes in and maybe he's like this is what we're gearing towards this is i'm using this one this is the the hole I'm going to fill instead of this one. Yeah. You know, he, he'll come in and rank them, but I think we already know what our problems are. So Yeah, I, I totally agree. And e- even by the time the Packers hire a new coach, they're still going to have months before the NFL draft. Yeah. So, uh, And they generally know the holes that need to be filled. Um, the second part of that question, uh, what do you think are the, the, the biggest needs with three games left in terms of personnel? Are we go, are we looking at next season? Are we saying what do we got like right now? Because I think the, with the injuries on our offensive line, I'm moving that to the top. Um, but without that, let's assume we get everyone back, you know, and they're healthy. I'm going to go with the inside linebacker play. I really want to see someone there, and then I want to see a wide out. I don't know if you're going to draft that though. Not wide out, really. No. I think I think our our core is awful past Adams. Yeah, I mean they're young. I mean, I, you think, got... I think Scantling is garbage. I'm going that far. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm calling. He's garbage. He's a rookie. Like, all right. I think he could develop into something all right as, like, a deep threat, a speed threat. Silence. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think most people are in your boat, and I hope, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I just I don't think he's there. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm th- tossing that one out because I, I know no one's with me. But but white out and then he, no let one me says anything. He, hear my needs now. Yes, yes. Outside linebacker and safety. Yeah, I, I could. See, yeah, I can't <laughs> argue with that. I could see someone arguing with my white out talk. Yeah. So that's why I'm tossing that one out of the books. But you're right. Outside linebacker and safety, definite needs. Yeah. Uh, I like al- your picks better than mine. Along with inside linebacker and offensive line and and tight end. My goodness, there's there's so many needs on this team. Yeah, I'm just going with my own pet peeves at yeah. this point, just because I'm annoyed with Martinez and Scantling, uh, overly so. Yeah. I I agree with your picks better. Fair enough. Um. From Michael Klink on Twitter, Jimmy Graham just doesn't seem to be cutting it, even more so with a broken thumb. Is it hashtag Tanyan time? Mm. Yeah, I, we've, I think we covered how the, the, the Graham problem, his problems. Now, is it hashtag Tanyan time? I don't know. I think if we're going to 
look at history, I think it's time for us to go pick up Antonio Gates after he's dropped by the Chargers. Or maybe we pick up Mark Bavaro in exchange for buying a lightly used Hyundai Elantra from his dealership. <laughs> now that'd be a steal. Think of it. Lynn Dickey could get a good deal on tires. Garage kept that thing runs five, six seasons easy. Like, that's what we're going to do, right? we got to go get a nice old tight end. There we go. Watch him hobble around and think of the glory days for him. Packers already have that. Yeah, no, but we got to go on to the next one. <laughs> okay, we had that with the, Bennett. Find the next one. We had one. to go to Graham. Yeah. Now we gotta... <laughs> Just find another aging tight end. Um, all right, and with that, uh, that's all the questions we got. Uh, but that will seg, uh, seg us right into uh, our uh, look ahead here. Predictions for Week 15, Packers at Bears? I think we lose. I think uh, it's in part because I think their defensive line is going to make us look silly. I think, uh, I mean, I, well, their nose tackle, Eddie, Eddie Goldman, he, he was crazy against the Rams, and I think that's the spot right now where we're really weak. I think they're going to get five sacks on us. We're not going to be able to settle into our offense. Um, you know, we don't have a very dynamic offense as it is. I think our defense is going to keep us into the game, which is, uh, I don't think I would have said that early in the season. I'm kind of surprised I'm saying it now. Because I, Trubisky, he's not back from his injury. I mean, if he's, he's never really settled into what he's going to be anyway, he's still rough around the edges and even more so with that time off. So I think it's going to be a, a low-scoring game, a close game, and an ugly one that we lose. Ugly in all re- uh, regards except for the Bears' defense, which is going to look fantastic. Yeah, That's my prediction. Let's make it 23-13, to 13, we lose. Hmm. I, 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 that's a little less scoring than I thought would be uh, happening here. Uh, I think the Packers are going to lose as well just because, I mean, they're facing the best team in the NFC North, and, and the Bears have gotten better from previous versions of the Bears. Um, you know, uh, I think going on the road, it's going to be tough for the Packers to exceed the 34 points they scored this past week, albeit seven of those points were because of defense. Uh, with the pick six, but I mean, I'm thinking it's somewhere along like 28-24. I think the Packers could maybe like keep this one close and keep it a game. That sounds like a much more interesting game. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I do see the Packers losing. I hope I'm wrong uh, because uh, it, it, it could make it an interesting playoff chase, you know, if the Packers win. Uh, and if they lose, it's probably officially over. Yeah, it it, it might magically, not statistically, be over just because there's so many Other middling teams, teams in yeah. the NFC. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I think another question, it'll be interesting to see if Petten is able to cook up a game plan against the run because we're very susceptible to the run. That's the, the Bears' bread and butter. They ran all over the Rams. I, it'll be interesting to see if he can cook anything up because I, you know, our skill isn't there really to stop, the, to enforce a good run stop. So. But mm-hmm. he might be able to cook something up. Let's see. Yeah. I can I, buy it. I'm ending on a more positive note. I've been saying, we're going to lose all, all game. I called Scantling garbage. I didn't make fun of the Swan. <laughs> the Swan is the man. He's 1-0 and as the Packers interim coach. Mm-hmm. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm throwing a challenge flag on that. <laughs> That'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us at B-Rock and Live Online. We'll talk to you again next week after the Packers play the Bears. 
For uh, on behalf of Ben Hofferman, I'm Brian Kirvu. We'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Texas Town by Honky Tonk Home Slice on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go.